This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. Sterling Fox with you on this cloudy but not too rainy Saturday afternoon on Thanksgiving weekend. It's a real pleasure to welcome back Kyla Lee, criminal defense attorney with the Acumen Law Corporation in Vancouver, also at kylalee.ca. Hi, how are you doing? I'm not bad. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure to have you back. And as it turns out, there's a very celebrated case. Uh, we're talking distracted driving here, friends. And uh, Tim, brace yourself, buddy, because we're going to open up the phone lines early and we're going to get busy. I just have a feeling. Ben Dooley and Tim French, uh, the troops in the trenches today, friends, and you'll talk to them before Kyla and me. 604-280-9898. Again, 604-280-9898. The celebrated case of, and I, uh, Mrs. Kramer, I apologize for this in advance, but the celebrated case of the little old lady nailed by the cops for having her cell phone in a cup holder. Now, she called you. Her family contacted you when this celebrated case came up because she had two hands on the steering wheel. She wasn't using the phone. Describe the details of the case because we all know about this case. And it's only, what, about a week old now? Yeah, it's been about a week since the Vancouver Police Department canceled the ticket. And essentially what happened was she was driving down Georgia Street, stopped at a red light. Uh, The police officer was waiting uh, at the red light to spot people using their cell phones. She had both hands on the wheel, uh, facing forward, waiting for the light to change, and the officer knocked on her window, pointed to her cell phone, which was sitting in the cup holder, and said, you can't have that there. Here's your ticket. And how much is the ticket for? $368. Ouch! Plus four penalty points, and it'll automatically result in an insurance rate increase the next time she goes to renew her insurance. Okay. Now, uh, you're the criminal defense lawyer. The cops canceled the ticket. What did you do to, to, to make that happen? You or did they just get <laughs> embarrassed by the press and uh, by being a little over-the-top aggressive? It was, I think, uh, a bit of an embarrassment factor. The police aren't supposed to issue tickets to people who have their phones just sitting loose in the vehicle. This was decided by the B.C. Supreme Court earlier this year in a case called Partridge. Mr. Partridge was in very similar circumstances. He had his phone sitting on the passenger seat of the vehicle, mm-hmm. plugged in, um, but wasn't touching it or looking at it or doing anything with it. And the B.C. Supreme Court judge determined that that was not in violation of the law. His ticket was cancelled. And police were told after this, don't issue tickets for having your phone in the cup holder. But everybody uh, didn't get the message clearly because this one Vancouver police officer did issue the ticket. Um, He's been told about the change in the law and uh, has been retrained since this incident. Interesting, though. But we had earlier today my friend John Daly on Back on the Beat, just 11 to 12 this morning, right here on CKNW. Speaking of cops who don't necessarily get all of the information correct all the time, he had the top cop, the Solicitor General of British Columbia, Mike Farnworth, on the radio here on NW earlier today you heard it and i i I think you take um uh exception (laughs) to uh, mr farnworth's interpretation of the law and and perhaps misunderstanding of the current supreme court ruling you just referenced yes uh mr farnworth essentially indicated that as long as the phone is in the vehicle and it's on and it's not secured to the vehicle you can't have it there it needs to be mounted to the vehicle or out of sight and that's not what the courts have said um there are two bc supreme court cases one that even 
even came before mine that hadn't been followed. So mine was to sort of clarify that. Okay. Um, and in that case, the BC Supreme Court judge determined that there has to be, you know, charging or, or a phone loose in the vehicle plus an associated act, uh, holding it, uh, using the GPS, music, talking or texting, any mm. of those things would require you to have the phone mounted. But right. if you're not doing that, you can just have the phone loose and carry on with your day. Ah, so where's the ambiguity? I mean, we've now had two Supreme Court rulings, basically uh, carbon copies of each other. So where's the ambiguity with respect to the, well, a misinterpretation that remains? It comes from uh, the Motor Vehicle Act use of electronic device regulation, which is a, a regulation that's really difficult to locate that describes use as uh, interacting with the with the phone in any way, um, includes a number of items and indicates that the phone is supposed to be mounted. But the way that the courts have interpreted that between that section and the actual Motor Vehicle Act itself and the prohibition on electronic device is that there's supposed to be this associated act. But the ambiguity comes from people's lack of awareness of what explicitly the regulation states and how that relates to what's in the Motor Vehicle Act itself. Okay, so um, in this case, the woman who was uh, uh, zealously um, given this ticket uh, unnecessarily, in her case, she had the ticket cancelled. Yes, the Vancouver Police Department did reach out to her and cancelled the ticket when they realized the error that had been made. Okay, now the next day, in the same paper, we read a story about a young man, uh, similar situation, a, a cell phone in cup holder, nicked by the cops, who, ha- in this case, uh, after reviewing the situation, say, no, we're not going to cancel that. This is going straight forward. So what's the difference between the two cases, Kyla? I think the difference is in part there's different police agencies. Oh, so okay. they're taking different So where was the if the woman was here on Georgia Street in Vancouver, where was the young man the next day? He was in Saanich, oh, so okay. on Vancouver Island. Okay, so two completely different police forces. Yes, but But it's the same set of laws. It's Come the on. same set of laws. It doesn't matter if you're in Saanich or Prince George or Stuart, British Columbia. The law is the same wherever you are in BC when it comes to driving in the roadways. And the fact that police are applying it inconsistently and even taking inconsistent public positions on the law, that's frustrating for drivers because people don't know what they're supposed to do. Well, that's true. Or what they're allowed to do. Right. And, you know, I I don't think anybody gets in their car with the intention of violating the cell phone law. I mean, some people, while they're driving, they ultimately end up doing it. But I think most people would like to do what's necessary to comply with the law, to try not to get $368 in fines, plus points, plus insurance rate increases. Absolutely. You know, there are some people, I find it, frankly, disturbing. And you're a driver like I am, and you're driving around town. It's disturbing to see how many people are still yakking on the phones when when they bloody well know they shouldn't be. But most of us don't. I, however, Kyla, am 100% guilty of putting my cell phone in the cup holder between the two seats. That's where I sit it. I don't use it. I just, that's, it's a convenient place to put it. It's not gonna, I'm, I'm not going to get lost if I hit the brakes hard or anything like that. And now I'm concerned that somebody's going to nick me for literally having my phone in the cup holder. That's legal isn't it, in it British is, Columbia? It is legal. I put my phone in the cup holder, so if that gives you any comfort, I do it. <laughs> it does, actually. It does. Okay. <laughs> and if I get nicked, I'm calling you. Oh, please Who do. Who do you call if you get nicked? That's pretty funny. You can't yeah. defend yourself. I suppose you can. I, yeah, I think I can uh, on probably. that. Probably, yeah, I guess so. So you were saying before you started having a chat with Ben and me that since this celebrated case of Mrs. Kramer, the uh, elderly woman who was given this super aggressive ticket, your phones have been ringing off the hook. 
It's been incredibly busy. I think this has sort of opened people's eyes to the ambiguities in the law. And so many people have questions for me. You know, did this thing that happened to me, was this lawful? Was I properly ticketed? Was I breaking the law when I did this? People want to know what they're supposed to do. People are reaching out to say, help me understand what I need. Right. I mean, even my own family members have been calling me. My mom, I think, has asked me about three times, what if I do this? Can I have the phone loose in my vehicle? Sure. And I think people just really want clarity. And it's unfortunate that it has to be a lawyer that's giving that clarity and it's not coming from our police agencies or the government or ICBC, who are the people who are supposed to be fulfilling that role of communicating what the law is to the public. All of whom appear to be equally confused at this point. Yes. I mean, even uh, Minister Farnworth and, and what he said is not consistent with the position he took when the law was first being debated when he was in opposition. It's not consistent with what the Solicitor General general when the law was put uh, into place was saying it should be interpreted as. Um, And so there's even inconsistency coming from government. Okay. Can we talk about, as long as we're talking about stuff in the vehicle that they can nick you for, uh, can we talk about alcohol and cannabis in the same form of reference? For example, what is the law in British Columbia regarding booze in the car? No open containers in the vehicle. But if you have like a six pack and you've had two or three out of the six pack, but there's, you know, three sealed ones remaining, you Mm -hmm. can have that in the vehicles. The container itself that can't be opened, um, you could put it in the trunk uh, or somewhere that's not accessible to the driver. But uh, best bet is if it's if it's opened, just say goodbye, leave it behind. Right. Okay. so nothing opened, but you can carry you can have a a case of beer or a a, a bag of uh, wine from the liquor store uh, tucked under the seat beside you. That's all perfectly fine. It is. Okay, so now let's continue down the same road. What about cannabis and its derivatives in terms of being viewable and accessible to the driver? So cannabis products are allowed to be accessible and within reach of a driver as long as they're still in their original Health Canada packaging. So similar to alcohol. Same as alcohol. In other words, you can't lean over and have a swig while you're driving or have a puff while you're driving. That's what they want, right? That's correct. But you can also have the opened cannabis packages in the vehicle so long as they're not accessible to the driver. So if you put them in your purse on the back seat or put them in the glove box or the trunk, that's okay too. Whereas you can't have, you know, your half empty beer uh, in the back seat held by your passenger. So there's a little bit more leeway for cannabis in the vehicle, um, just out of sight, out of mind, basically. Interesting stuff. When you have a passenger and a driver scenario and there's a cell phone involved, uh, and suppose that's sitting in the cup holder and somebody wants to give you a ticket. I mean, can't you just go, sorry, it's her phone. That would be something the officer would have to take into consideration at the time of issuing the ticket. But in reality, uh, if the officer doesn't believe you, you're going to get the ticket. And then you've got to come to court. You've got to bring your friend who was the owner of the phone to come to court as well and right. say, it was my phone. It wasn't his. And it, it takes a lot of time out of people's day and costs people a lot of money to dispute these tickets that should never be issued in the first place. Okay, let's take some phone calls because we did open up the lines. And let's uh, check in first with Don in Surrey. Good afternoon, Don. Oh, sorry. Go ahead there, please. Mm, no, not there. Oh, Dan. My mistake. Dan. Okay. Not there. All right. Well, let's try one more and we'll carry on if John in Langley is not standing by. John, you there? Yes. Yeah, I am here. I'm standing by. And go I, ahead. I just have a question and it may seem a little cheeky, but is the law so vague that uh, I'm actually driving right now operating an electronic device with my hands, 
Uh, it's called a Tesla. Am I going to get a ticket? <laughs> I assume you're hands-free phone calling, however, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right, yeah. Okay. Then uh, uh, he's being cheeky, and, t- and and Kyla's smiling. It's okay, John. She gets your point. I get the point. It's kind of a cheeky question, but in theory, a Tesla would fit the definition of electronic device because the definition is very broad. It's anything that can uh, transmit or compute data. So okay. Technically, any vehicle. Well, yeah, but and it's a bit over the top. <laughs> yes. But you get his point. I do. Because that's where this stuff goes sometimes, doesn't it? Well, exactly. And and you're at the mercy of the officer's interpretation of what's an electronic device. I've seen cases where police officers have ticketed people for using a calculator while driving. I don't know why they would be. But also cases where people have done some pretty scary things, like ticketed people for using their uh, interlock, ignition interlock breathalyzers in their car that oh prevent the car of from course, running yeah, yeah. if you're over the limit. That's something to protect public safety. Or uh, a person was ticketed once for using their insulin pump while they were driving. Goodness gracious. Uh, I'm told that I pressed the wrong button, Dan. Sorry about that. You with us now from Surrey? I, I am. Go ahead. Um, just on the uh, the couple or lady and her ticket yes. that was canceled by the police, um, th- th- is she deemed not guilty? Yes. Uh, as a result of the police canceling the ticket, it's not going to go on her driving record. She doesn't have to dispute it, and there's no fine payable. She's not guilty. It's like it never happened. Okay, so ICBC won't say, well, by the way. That's <laughs> no. correct. Uh, and that, that's a fair question, too. That's a good question to point out, because, uh, and I don't know how many people understand the ramifications, Kyla. Not only if you're, if you're caught or ticketed for just having a cell phone, uh, apparently, uh, in a position where it shouldn't be, uh, as the cop on the scene rules, it's going to cost you hundreds of dollars. It's going to cost you driver's demerit points. And your insurance rates are likely to go up even more than they probably just have. Of course. And if you have your N, uh, you're going to get an automatic driving prohibition. If it's a second cell phone ticket, you're going to get an automatic driving prohibition. So the consequences to a cell phone ticket or to a second cell phone ticket are huge. How many people that are calling you to have this whole matter clarified perhaps have already received a ticket and we went a couple of seconds here we'll talk in detail after the news but how many people are actually determined we're going to fight this thing this is wrong and i'm 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 in for the fight lots people are upset about this law really yes and uh how many of them you think are going to (laughs) win A lot. <laughs> a lot. Interesting stuff. Kyla Lee from the Acumen Law Corporation, a criminal defense lawyer, back on Vancouver Consumer. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. Sterling Fox with you on a Saturday afternoon. The phone board is busy, 604-280-9898. Why? Because Kyla Lee is back with us. Ms. Lee is a, a criminal defense attorney with the Acumen Law Group here in Vancouver uh, who spends a lot of time defending people charged with uh, distracted driving offenses, plural, because you cover the whole spectrum, Kyla, and that includes uh, impaired driving, uh, cell phone distraction, all sorts of, of other... What are the more common common distracted driving charges. Impaired, of course, is the most dangerous, but cell phone use while driving is considered by many safety people to be almost as dangerous as driving impaired because you're not paying attention. No, your uh, your eyes are not on the road. I think the studies they've done have shown that about 50% of the focus you have on the road is lost when you're on the phone sure. while you're driving. Mm-hmm. And you can tell because the person is just the person on the phone and you they're not driving up to speed or they're drifting or you can just tell this, this driver is not focused. Yeah. On my way here this morning, there was a driver who was texting at a red light and didn't notice it turned green, didn't notice till the vehicle behind them started honking. Yeah, 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 you see that a fair bit. And, it, and 
and those are the other activities that are most commonly um, ticketed then, right? Oh, yeah. People picking it up at a red light is incredibly common. That's why police are basically stationed at red lights at busy intersections, because they can walk up and down the line of cars. And if your head's in your phone, you're not noticing the police officer outside your window, mm-hmm. snapping a quick photo of you on your phone and then using that against you later. So it's the photo that uh, sort of clinches the deal from the point of view of the uh, the conviction. Yes, lots of officers are smart now, and they're getting out their own cell phones to take pictures of the people committing the offenses and then saving that with their files so that they can use it later on. Okay, I'm going to go back to the phones here. Let's do it right now, and we've got because I'm curious about the the kind of people you're defending and the fact that your phones are so busy these days. Uh, Sean is uh, busy on my phone from Richmond. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Go ahead, please. Sean, what's Hello? up? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, like my my question is, I mean, um, with the distracted driving. I guess like my question is, is there some sort of training that you can take so that you're legal to do it? There's been like a couple times over the last few two years, right? Like I know the police cruisers have their laptops in them. Yes. And there's been twice. And there's been twice that I saw instances where they just both caused accidents because they're 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 on their laptop with one hand and driving with the other. I've seen that too. It is really dangerous. The police are trained on how to do that, but just because they're trained doesn't mean they're always following their training, as we know. Um, There's no training that private citizens can take to be exempt from the cell phone laws. But if people are interested in learning more about distracted driving and the law and what they can do to comply with it, there are online courses available to educate people about distracted driving in British Columbia. And are those courses, uh, are they put up by the government or by private agencies? Uh, Who's responsible for that? There's one that I'm aware of uh, put up by a private company called Canada Online Training Corporation. It's the uh, BC Distracted Driving Course. And if you Google Distracted Driving Course BC, it will come up and you can take it. Interesting. But it's not like you can get a special class of license that's, uh, well, now that I know how to do it and I've passed all of these tests, now I can actually use my phone while I'm driving. There's there's no class that, that allows for that at all. No, unfortunately not. All right. To uh, Langley. John, hello. Hello? Yes, sir. Go ahead, John. All right. I got a question for Kyla regarding uh, just before the prior caller. Um, is the diff- isn't there a difference between the BPD case? Uh, for example, the cop was already at the light. He just happened to see something in the uh, cup holder versus a police officer getting primary grounds while actually seeing someone driving and then putting their eyes down and then performing the 1011 and then getting secondary grounds and seeing it within arm's reach. Isn't that kind of uh, the determining factor uh, in whether or not there is guilt present? That's likely the determining factor in the officer's mind. But the reality is that just because your eyes are down doesn't necessarily mean that you're looking at your phone. Uh, In the second case, the driver had his phone actually face down. So clearly he wasn't watching the screen of the phone. And the only prohibition on looking at the phone is looking at the screen of the phone. If you're looking at the back of the phone, according to the words of the legislation, you're not violating the law. Remember, too, that you also have to look down at various things in your vehicle to operate it. That's true. Make sure you're in the right gear, uh, adjust the climate controls of the vehicle, maybe turn off the radio if that's posing a distraction Not to you. Not while we're on, of course. No. <laughs> but yes, of course, there are other things that you are required to do at all times. Yes. So this person, though, this now this is the second cup holder case that we talked about with this the Saanich uh, ticket that came out. This individual's cup was in the cup holder, but it was back facing him? Yes. And and, and Oh, interesting. Okay. Does that help, John? <laughs> yeah, but I was mostly looking uh, whether or not they were looking down repeatedly, like look down, look up. Look oh, right, up, right. Up. 
a, a clear up and down, up and down motion, like you're reading something. Yeah. Okay. As, as, just a quick switch of the, the radio or climate control. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, you know, that might give an officer grounds to investigate further, but it may not rise to the level necessary to prove the offense in court. Um, even with a distracted driving ticket, the burden is still on the police to prove that a person was using the electronic device while they were driving beyond a reasonable doubt. Interesting stuff. Now, one thing that I learned during the news uh, is that when a police officer issues a ticket and the individual who receives the ticket says, no, this is no, I'm going to fight this. I'll see you in court, Buster. And and so that the, the police officer, when it comes time, should it come to a trial, that officer is essentially crown counsel for that particular offense. There's no lawyer involved on the part of the issuing officer, is that, there? That's correct. Police in British Columbia prosecute the tickets themselves. So if you go to traffic court and you're trying to figure out who's going to be you know, running the case against you, it's the officer who issued you the ticket, which can pose problems for people when they show up to court. They're maybe not expecting to see the officer there and have to interact with them. But most of the time, the police will want to have a chat with you in the hallway outside to find out what you're doing and that can be dangerous depending on how much information you let on oh such as this is important stuff right we're we're not lawyers you are what 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 don't you say in those circumstances well you don't want to tell the police officer anything that could uh, be construed as an admission of guilt because they're still gathering evidence against you and so if you say listen officer all i was doing was was sending a quick text to my mom i was at a red light it wasn't dangerous you've now made a statement to that officer that can be put in evidence right whereas if you have a lawyer whatever i say to a police officer is not evidence that can be led against my clients. Aha. So, and and, uh, and the hallway, I, I, I hesitate to use the word trick, <laughs> but it wouldn't be the first time that this, uh, this had been, uh, additional evidence had been gathered during a chat in the hallway. That's correct. And, you know, there it's arguable that it would be an abusive process to use that information. You'd have to identify where the line began uh, with a discussion in terms of resolution of the traffic ticket as opposed to just a general discussion about what happened. Yeah, Jerry and Port Moody, we'll get to your call in just a quick second. How many people, what percentage of people who get these tickets decide it's worth a fight? And of that group, Kyla, how many actually go to trial? Very few actually go to trial. Um, A lot of people file their tickets in dispute and then they don't show up to their court date. So you see about half the court list most of the time just not attending court, which is a real, it's a shame because it's a burden on the court system to schedule time for those people and then not have it manifest. And does that mean your ticket goes up? If you, if you go, you get a court date, you don't show up, does the value of the ticket against you increase? It doesn't, although if you pay it early, you do get a very small discount. Okay. But it's it's really not enough of a discount to make it worthwhile to anybody. And you can go to court and ask for a fine reduction. You can say, I'm guilty. I just don't want to pay the full $368. I'd like to pay less. And is this traffic court or small claims court? Where do you go? Traffic court. Okay. All right. Uh, Jerry in Port Moody, thanks for hanging on. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. I just got stopped by uh, Coquitlam's Finest. There was a RCMP in an old Crown Vic blue pulled me over, and uh, I said, what are you stopping me for, officer? He says, you've got your, your handheld phone. I said, yeah, it, it's mounted up uh, on the holder, and I've got a Bluetooth above. And he says, technically, I could have given you a ticket. And I said, well, I talked to uh, your watch commander about two weeks ago when he had a roadside uh, stop, and I asked him, is this, is this legal? He said, yes. And I described the officer to this 
officer who stopped me and he just looked at me and he said, well, he said, that's, that's um, his opinion, but I'll let you go at this time. And I was too old, about 20 minutes ago. Wow. So where's the law here? A good question and a very fresh experience to talk about, Jerry. What's the story, Kyla? Well, if you have your full Class 5 license, you are allowed to have your phone mounted in the vehicle. As long as it's securely mounted to the vehicle or securely mounted to your person, you can have it connected to Bluetooth. You can be using it for GPS or to play music or talk or voice commands for texts. Um, and you're allowed one touch to answer or decline a call. So unless you're doing something like, you know, typing in the address for the GPS or switching your song on iTunes right. on the phone while it's mounted, having it mounted is definitely not in violation of the law. Does that help, Jerry? Yeah, well, yeah, it helps, but each officer has a different opinion. So now when I see a police car or whatever, I just take it off the mount and put it in the, glo- in the glove box because every story is different. I mean, there should be stable laws. And I think, I believe it's Kylie, you should write the write the law regarding cell phones. I would love to do that. Thanks for the call, Jerry. It's an interesting call having just been pulled over 20 minutes ago. I talk about fresh off the, the experience. But he's right. There is tremendous confusion, Kyla, because, I mean, if the Solicitor General comes on the radio a couple of hours ago and gives misinformation, how can the public be possibly anything but confused. Well, exactly. And you have, you know, Jerry's experience being very typical of many people's experiences. I hear from clients all the time, you know, a police officer told me I could do this and I have to say, well, they were wrong. Right. You can't do that. But as, as, as Jerry just pointed out, it seems to be, and you've said this also in this same program, it seems to be from individual officer to individual officer, a, a different game, quite possibly a different game. Yes. And I'm a huge fan of ha- police officers having discretion, but not when the discretion leads to so much confusion and frustration for members of the public. So how many more Supreme Court decisions do you think it's going to take, Kyla, before the gendarmes of British Columbia get the message universally? I hope none. Right. But it's likely that... Yeah, it'll going... be a few. <laughs> okay. Blake uh, here in the West End in Vancouver. Hello. Yes, I got a ticket oh, a few months back, you know, and, I, and I fought it, and the officer said to me that I was talking on my cell phone. And I said, officer, I said I was not, and you have no proof that I was talking to my cell phone. And I wasn't sarcastic, but, and he said, he said, well, how can you prove that? Well, I said, let's go to, let's go to my trunk of my car and take a look. And there was the cell phone. Ah. Well, he said, he said, you were talking. I said, no, I was singing, rehearsing a song. He said, it makes no difference. So I went to court, and the judge kind of frowned his eyebrows and threw it out. Ah, okay. You were, you were just singing. People do that still. I mean, I'm afraid I'm, I'm the, the idiot at the red light you look over at who's got the radio cranked too loud, and I'm singing along to whatever on the radio, and I know I look goofy, and I don't care, but I'm not on the phone, Kyla. Neither was uh, Blake. Yep, and that's very common. Police see your mouth moving, and now they think you're on your phone. You're not just having a good time rocking out to your favorite song. Wow, okay. Michael and Langley, hello to you, sir. Hi. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say about disputing tickets. The, uh, I've disputed every ticket I've ever gotten. I've beat every one of them. Okay. Uh, the process you use, you, uh, you send a letter to the cop requesting disclosure of a, a huge amount of evidence. You want to see the body cam, 
you want to see the dash cam, uh, you want to see the calibration and service records of any device he used to calculate your speed. It costs them thousands of dollars to process these things. Every single time, they would draw the ticket. Because wow. it's not worth their time to, to spend thousands. they got to send it to Ottawa to be vetted and then send it back to you. Um, if you don't mind my saying so, Michael, it sounds like it's happened to you more than once as well. Ten, ten times. I beat one yesterday. I beat one yesterday at Coquitlam Courthouse. All right, Michael, thank you. Uh, Kyla, you're, uh, you're the lawyer here. Uh, his strategy, his uh, in-court strategy, you were kind of rolling your eyes and smiling and all sorts of reactions. A lot of people use this strategy. Um, it's not the strategy I take um, uh, for lots of reasons. I, it doesn't often have to go to Ottawa to get the disclosure. If you're dealing with specialized traffic units, they keep their disclosure for their tickets all in their files. So sure. you can usually get it pretty quickly. So he, it sounds like Michael has been very lucky. A little luck and and a lot of practice also mm-hmm. by the sounds of it. One more. We've got time for Rob in Delta. Rob, thanks for waiting. Hello. Go ahead, please. Well, we lost Rob and Delta, and we're almost out of time anyway. So what advice can you give to our listeners this afternoon, people, aside from calling you, which they're doing in droves, but just by way of sort of sailing through these uncharted waters of cell phone and distracted driving, Kyla? I think the best advice I can give people right now, and it's unfortunate that this has to be the advice, but it's just keep your phone somewhere where it can't be seen. Right. Because As one of our callers just said, you know, I put it in the trunk for crying out loud. Yeah, And if you do in that circumstance end up like, like he did and still get a ticket, you're likely to succeed in court. Um, you're going to get that furrowing of the brow and then the acquittal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, keep it out of sight. And if you if you do need to have it in sight, make sure it's mounted to the vehicle, even if you're not using it for anything, because you're less likely to attract the scrutiny from the police. The more steps you're taking to be looking like you're complying with the law as it's most strictly interpreted by the most strict police officer. Interesting stuff. And be careful what you say. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.